0: Time and again, the world bears witness to truths seldom said. Lend an ear. We promise enlightened, informed conversation. My name is Robert, and this is Seldom Said, the place where conversation matters. The program is Seldom Said, the place where conversation matters. My name is Robert. We have some special guests today, Ms. Joy Bennett, Ms. Ann Bassett Short, and Mr. Herb Leap And we're about to discuss folk music and the Old Songs Festival. It's going to be held in June upstate New York. It's a place where old ideas become new ideas set to a tune. Welcome to Seldom Said.
1: Thank you. Thanks.
0: I wonder, Joy, since you're the executive director of the festival, whether you can give us a little bit of background, who you are, where you've been, and what's brought you to this time and place.
1: Uh, well, I sang music when I was m- very young, and continued to do so throughout my life with a 10-year gap that uh, disappeared after going to an event in the early 90s. And a friend of mine said, oh, you have to come see this, uh, participate in this Great American Sing-Out. It was by the mm-hmm. f- brought to you by the Folk Music Society of New York. And it started my journey again back into music and folk music. I was working at the Transit Authority. I was director of contracts for 26 years and left there in 2012. Um, But the, the event, The Great American Sing-Out, fired up my musical talents and musical desires again after all that time.
0: Bach always had a quote where he said that uh, music was the tip of the spear. Did you feel that music was politicized enough for your taste when you started?
1: I don't know that I thought about it at the time. I think it was just the feeling of that's what I wanted to do and be involved with. I attended a weekend and I walked in the, the door of this event and there were many, many instruments lying around and no one guarding them. And I thought, took a deep breath and went, I'm home. And, you know, I didn't think about anything having to do with With politics or... Where the music was coming from, though I often sang protest songs and things when I was growing up, um, I was just enveloped by the music and by the whole feel of everything.
0: An individual who's collegial coming home to their parents and saying, by the way, mom, dad, I want to be a singer, is usually met with a a rapt sound of desperation. (laughs) How did uh, your family react to your choice of careers?
1: Well, my mom, my, my dad died when I was six, but and my mom when I was 19. So uh, when I was singing at a very young age, I would say, I'd like to, I want to be a singer. And she used to say, no, you don't. So she did not want me to get involved in any kind of show business whatsoever. She uh, was a dress designer and did dress design dresses for the Ed Sullivan Show. And knew a lot about show business but more the seedier side of it and did not want me to do anything having to do with music. She wanted me to get a job and, you know, make a living, so.
0: I've spoken to people who, unfortunately, had lost parents early in their lives, and if I may, without being intrusive. Were you ever motivated to sing to their memory?
1: Yes. Um... I didn't really remember my dad all that much because I was so young when he passed away. Um, and these were my adoptive parents, to further co- complicate matters. Um, but my mother, I probably thought about her a lot and sang. There are many songs over the years that, that I've felt her there with me, even though she really wasn't, um, did not want me to do performing at all. But I kind of I felt her presence in a way and sang to that.
0: Do you compose?
1: I have composed a handful of songs that I probably would not sing in public.
0: <laughs> I should hope that's not a threat.
1: <laughs> no, no, it's not a threat. I actually recorded one in, um, when I was 15 at Master Tone Studios as part of the Teen Aids Performing Arts Workshop, and uh, it was fun. I have a 45 of it. It's not something I'm going to play for anybody, but...
0: <laughs> you speak like an author, though. You're a wordsmith when it comes to putting sentences and ideas and location together. Do you find that something you'd like to pursue, even though perhaps you haven't as to this point?
1: Well, I've written a lot of poetry over the years, and mostly when I was depressed. <laughs> you know, it brings out, it, it's a release in some ways, as music is. Um, music can, I believe, change the world. So.
0: I've heard that said a myriad of times and a myriad of places, and places that are welcoming and places that are frightening. Why do you feel that's the case and why do you feel that we around this table believe that to be true?
1: I think that music doesn't know boundaries and <clears throat> we're all equal in, in music. Whether we like one particular kind of music over another, I've sung classical music, I love it all, I don't care what it is, music is powerful – it speaks to people in ways that there is nothing else that speaks to people in that way. Um, you can do great things with music. You can also possibly do not so great things with music. Um, yeah
0: Can music be used when you say not so great things? Can it be used to sell an ideology Horst yes. Wessel song, something like that?
1: Music, unfortunately, like everything, speeches, words, words matter. And you can use music as you uh, use any other tool to further a particular point of view or um, just try and get a message across. Think of a cult You know, you're getting a message across that you want to be out there. And you could use music to do that, unfortunately. I I think for the most part, though, it's so far has been used as a a positive tool more than a negative one, I believe. A
0: long time ago when the world was young and so was I, (laughs) wrote a song and sold it for $1,200. And with the song and the money, bought the first car I ever owned. And a person I was with at the time said, write another. And I felt that it was so much easier to write it when I was not so much in despair, but on the fringe of unhappiness. Do you find it easy to put words and poetry together on page when you're feeling joy? It does seem easier When there's a sense of incompetent despair?
1: I think that any strong emotion can lead to creativity, to writing words. I think many of us turn to that when we are searching for something to make us feel better. Um, And sometimes expressing the angst or the despair that we have or the depression is, is a release and allows us to uh, feel better in our sorrow.
0: Do you feel we're judgmental in the West when it comes to listening to and caring for music we consider to be foreign? Maria McKeever a magnificent voice, but that click sound in the 60s was frowned upon because it was less. Principals wouldn't have it in their school. Do you feel we are judgmental and elitist when it comes to music?
1: I think overall we're we are judgmental, regardless of whether it's foreign music or even music in our own communities that we either don't understand or think we don't like or haven't really given it a chance to listen to, to experience it. We make judgment calls based on what we may have heard about a particular style of music.
0: Different cultures, different places, different times. An Aborigine banging two stones together will find that there are 15 people behind him dancing. Can you define music as a category of auditory appreciation and compare it to what you might consider to be noise, the difference between the two.
1: Recently was at a concert, it was a classical concert, and there was a new piece that to me was almost cacophony. And I realized it it may have stemmed out of the everyday that we now hear where there's noise everywhere. It wasn't something that I particularly liked. Um, Can I define it? I don't think so.
0: Perhaps to extend that uh, a word or two further, if an individual were to simply say, throwing a chair against a wall is something he wrote the night before, and four people congratulate him for his talent, do you accept the premise that he might be a musician?
1: It's an interesting concept. Um, (laughs) Don't make me laugh. Um, (laughs) It's an interesting concept, but, you know, I think initially I might be judgmental about it because initially my thought of a chair hitting a wall would not necessarily be music. If I... Thought about it for a while. I can't say what I would think.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just don't look aggressively at me while you're sitting in a chair. (laughs) Is there an epiphanal moment in your life, Joy, where you could say, before this point in time, I wasn't entirely sure what I wanted to do with my life, but now I know. I sense the focus. I don't see where it will end, but I see the direction I'm going in.
1: There were many things in my life where I I flitted from one thing to another. I went to school to be um, a special education teacher. And when I graduated and they offered me a job for $9,000 a year, and I could not possibly pay my student loans on that, I went and got a job as a Burger King manager for $12,000 a year. So um, there... There have been many, many things that I've done in my life. I think the stability of of working for the Transit Authority for 26 years was a help. It also gave me the opportunity to go out and explore music because there was a lot of vacation time that I accrued over the years. Um, But again, I look back at the early 90s when I walked into that room And saw all those instruments lying around and thought, I'm home. And I think that moment is probably the epiphanal moment for me. Um, I wasn't sure. I didn't know it was at the time. But looking back, that's probably the, the time that it was, the epiphanal moment.
0: Many of the songs at the Old Songs Festival are rooted in foreign cultures, different times and places. In point of fact, as a musician and a person who studies, carries close to her heart the idea of musical interpretation, there's a phrase often used, uh, we've used it often on the program, just we answer the way under Le Monde, a citizen of the world, Do you consider yourself to be more a citizen of the world than a citizen of New York, the United States, here, there, everywhere. Does the tune provide your flag? A citizen
1: of the world? Um, In a way, yes, because I have been fortunate to have traveled all over the world doing music and have been exposed to so many different cultures and so many different types of music over the years that it it couldn't couldn't not change my my outlook my personality even in some ways I mean, I had terrible, terrible stage fright for years and years, and I think a lot of that exposure to all the various people that I've met over the years and made wonderful friends in different countries has Every, it doesn't matter where I am. I feel like, okay, I'm in this country. Well, this is where I am. This is who I am. And then I go to another country. Well, this is who I am. And so in a sense, I think citizen of the world is probably a valid thing.
0: Ernest Stewart, a uh, guest we had on this program last week, spoke to rhythm being the cornerstone of what music essentially is. Some might disagree, some might agree. Do you read lyrics?
1: I do. And sometimes I've looked at songs, lyrics to songs, before I've heard the tune. And I love the lyrics. And then I hear it put together with the tune, and I'm not so fond of it. Uh, And then there are other times I'll hear a tune and absolutely love it. And then I read the lyrics, and I go, well, maybe not. So I do read the lyrics, and the lyrics are are important. I've developed a, a wonderful understanding of and appreciation for tunes over the years as well, you know, just listening to tunes, which I didn't have at an earlier age. When I was younger, the lyrics were it, and Instrumental music was not my for not what I really liked to listen to but that's all changed now I love it all. So
0: Woody Guthrie often argued that everything is plagiarism. Every word, every tune, every note, every here there and everywhere. Do you feel that there is anything new on the horizon in the way of musical expression?
1: Well, in some ways I agree with Woody because There are only a finite number of notes, and I will often listen to a song and another song will pop right into my head because that little passage that you've heard, I've heard before. On the other hand, though, people are doing different things with music, and there are always new things on the horizon that we may not even know about.
0: For the purpose of argument, click your heels, blink twice, make a wish, <laughs> for a star on the right, <laughs> but given, given that scenario, if you're in a circumstance where you find yourself alone, where you find yourself not so much bereft but by yourself, and you're looking for the tune that is the caress, the soft touch, in the middle of the night, what song do you go to? What song could you listen to at any point in time, day or night? That's really
1: a tough question. I that can change daily, and with with my mood. So that that will, I can't say what particular song. There are just so many. There's probably one of Pete Seeger's songs, "Words, Words, Words," which is one of his lesser known songs, but. Words, 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 in Tom's declaration, how much of truth remains. If I only understood them and my life pronounced them, could not this world be changed? And that is such, talking about powerful songs, that's a powerful song that many people have never heard before. So that's one song I could think of. But there are a litany of songs from, from when I was a child, some which I could not sing in public. Um. It would be frowned upon, but the, the, the collection is too vast to, to really say there's one go-to song.
0: There's always someone who wants to criticize what is contemporary. When you say that you'd rather not sing a song you remember as a child because it would be untoward, do you feel censorship is ever warranted in sharing musical activity?
1: I think that depends on the the people you're sharing it with, the venue. The venue. Um, there are songs that that I learned growing up, shanties with sexual situations that I would not sing today in front of young kids, but were sung in the '70s in front of young kids. It's just a different world, um, and there are probably others that have been censored over the years. Sometimes censorship is sad in that there is something to be learned from various songs, but there's also a sensitivity that you have to allow for in in dealing with certain audiences.
0: Some time ago, we interviewed at this table a, a young lady who called herself Jim Morrison's traveling companion. And there is that controversy – I was just listening to a program that uh, a DJ had pre-recorded in regard to Morrison's appearance in The Ed Sullivan Show. Do you feel we've gone too far or not far enough when it comes to editing what we feel is appropriate, inappropriate, or scatological?
1: That's also a very tough question because, again, part of me feels that we learn something from everything. The, the pendulum swings a lot and sometimes it swings very, very far to the right and then it swings all the way to the left and then sometimes it settles right in the middle. And I'm not sure that is the answer to your question really.
0: Understood, understood. Insecurity about an idea seems a strength. It's creative. We're talking about folk music in a folk festival, and people use that term a thousand and one times, and a thousand and one times they have a differing definition of what folk music actually is. How would you define the genre for someone who is just out there listening and saying, I listen to jazz, I listen to contemporary rock music and whatever, I've not listened to folk or what you call folk. What is it?
1: Well, there's the standard horses sing none of it, and... There is its musics, what uh, what folks sing, and it really means different things to different people. I don't know that there is a good definition because there is the <coughs> traditional side, which is typically music that you've heard and that you sing, but you don't know who wrote it necessarily, or it's was written several hundred years ago and you may know who wrote it. You've got the contemporary side, which... Uh, currently written or written in the last 50 years folk music and I use the word folk in quotes because it, I think it changes over time and it adapts and it's not static, it's ever changing. <coughs> what people might have considered folk years ago, which is nothing electric is not necessarily what It is today. There are many, many folk musicians who play electric guitars and have electric backup of some kind.
0: Ergo, if we follow that to fruition, is rap contemporary folk music?
1: Somehow I knew you were going to come to that. Um, In a sense, yes. Because it's music of the people. And I guess that's a good example of what folk music is, music of the people. And it comes out of personal experiences. And I'm not going to say all rap comes out of personal experiences because some some is – created for a purpose as opposed to a personal experience.
0: Do you feel that folk music can ever be made palatable commercially to an overtly large audience? I can't consider Beyonce singing. I could consider her singing Amazing Grace, but I'm not entirely sure whether I could hear her singing a cantata or a fugue and have people throw pennies, that type of thing. Is music, in a sense, categorized, and would folk music ever fit into a generalized category?
1: Well, I mean, folk music in and of itself is a general category. It's, there may be subcategories of it. There's, you can say, maritime music, for, in, for example, or uh, work songs is a type of folk music. Does it ever have broad appeal? There are times that it has over the years. Take Peter, Paul, and Mary, uh, any number of people who were considered folk musicians of the great folk scare of the 60s. And so, yes, it could. I think many people are not exposed to it, and it's not getting the airplay that other types of music gets. So that can affect it.
0: The filmmaker Clint Eastwood, uh, at an interview with the American Academy of Dramatic Arts, uh, answered a question by saying, I don't listen to blues unless I go back to the roots. I go back to where they began. And I listen to Lead Belly and persons like that to find out my truth. Do you feel in point of fact much of American musical root goes back to an antebellum time, particularly with African Americans?
1: I think that's going to change with the various populations. I think that much of of the music is rooted in the past, whether people realize it or not. I found that for me, when I went started to explore a particular song and then found a, a song behind it and then went back farther and farther, learning where this came from, in some cases, yes. But I'd have to think about that some more.
0: Remembering an earlier year, sitting on a hillside walking along a road in West Virginia, an, old, an older black woman, singing to her mother who had just passed, and it wasn't a song, it was a series of moans, and I remember she stopped me cold in the road, and I just waited for her to finish. Is there something to be said for music as a simple expression of emotion, with or without words, with or without tune?
1: Absolutely. The, having heard the Georgia Sea Island singers meeting Doug and Frankie, Frankie Quimby—Doug died in, 19, in uh, 2006, I believe— and listening to them and listening to their music, and sometimes it is just an expression a musical expression of an, of an emotion that doesn't necessarily have words. And it's extremely moving. You feel it, you can get chills just by listening to this sor- sometimes sorrowful moan
0: It's hard to explain. Yes, I understand what you're saying. It is hard to explain. A mother's voice bereft of her child. It's an echo into immortality. It's uh, it's frightening, enjoyable, arresting. Everything all at once. If we were to perhaps take another venue in another direction, how do you feel about performing? I know that you do it. Do you feel as attuned to it as you do to your other duties in the musical genre?
1: I do. My first group, performing group, was a group called Water Sign. And it was with my good friend of many, many years that I met in college, his girlfriend, and my then boyfriend. And it was a wonderful thing. Initially, performing was tough. I, As I said earlier, I have stage fright. So I had to learn how to use that constructively, which initially meant I drank a half a glass of wine before I went on the stage. And eventually, I didn't have to do that anymore. But it was a wonderful thing altogether. And the coming together of four voices in harmony... Our rehearsals were nuts most of the time. And then you get out on a stage and you perform, and there's this feeling that you get of, the, of just the performing. And then when you get the feedback from the audience, it reinforces that. Now you fast forward a bunch of years with the Johnson girls. <clears throat> We've been singing together. We're starting our 23rd year in June, and... So we've been through all sorts of things. We're more of a family than a group at this point. And we love every minute of sharing the music. We love the audience coming together with us and singing along with us. And just, it's, it's like being lifted up.
0: Have some of your best laid performances... And sung to the winds while you're walking along a road
1: sometimes yeah there's there's a feeling I, I like to be in the middle of a field and just say you know it's like the hills are alive with the sound of music but the feeling of singing just in general I think it's a, a very positive feeling it's it's a whole body experience people think some people think that it's only, you're using your throat and you're using, but it's your entire body. And the feeling that you get when you are using this instrument of your body is an amazing feeling. And there's almost a tu- you're touching the universe in a sense.
0: Do you like call and answer? Yes. Perchance why?
1: Feedback. In a positive way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Feedback at a political rally can <laughs> can amount to one worrying about their safety. What comes back to you in your own mind, in your own substantial memory, as to what call and answer means?
1: You're singing out a, song, a a verse or a couple of lines, and you're getting a response. And that's a connection between the people, uh, the person who's singing the initial line, and the, the people who are feeding back that
0: response. Do you feel, given that and the historiography attached to it, that certain songs should be pre-copyrighted i.e., in other words, people who sing songs today that someone else wrote a number of years ago and it was theirs, but they wrote them out of the joy of the sound but also the ignorance of the business acumen attached to it, and they haven't made a penny.
1: If you're... Well, I actually know people in that position, so I have... A lot of mixed feelings about that. I really feel that people who have put a work together and that work is being sung by other people should be compensated in some way.
0: No matter when that work was performed or prepared or composed.
1: Well if it's if it's a hundred years ago they're not likely around today but yes. <laughs>
0: So my great-grandfather, who was born in Genoa, who also wrote Yankee Doodle, he cannot, <laughs> he cannot claim anything.
1: Uh, we, we won't get into a conversation about Yankee Doodle. That's a whole other topic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. He could hum in three languages. <laughs> uh, given all of this, And extending that question still further, one of the things we're not aware of is that people are talented, but they don't pursue a business venue. How much of what you do, whether you want it to be or not, is rooting in understanding where the money comes from, what can be kept, and where it goes? In terms of of running a successful venue, I can say I love the music and I'll play out of love. But as they say, love vanishes in a year and a half, and then it's just the prerequisite to caring.
1: I'm really not clear on what the question is, sorry.
0: It's all right. If we were to consider music, as an expression of emotion and consider music as an expression of what is necessary for the human condition, are there parameters you would place around it? Are there things you would or wouldn't do? Are there things that should be contemporary, continuous, that are part of a continuous strand to another age, another time, another place? The song you sing, could you have been the individual singing it in 1700, 1800, yesterday?
1: Could have been, yeah.
0: Do you have to explain the music to your audiences?
1: The music that we sing now? Yes. Sometimes, because the Johnson girls, for instance, we do maritime music, and we do a lot of sea shanties, and people don't necessarily know what sea shanties are. They know what they've heard of pirate songs and they know other things, but they don't necessarily know that sea shanties would not have been sung outside of doing the work. They're a tool used to coordinate the work on a sailing ship. So we often will explain what that tool was particularly used for. Like if it's a a capstan shanty, which is a something that's used to typically to, to raise the anchor, or if it's some other shanty of pulling the sails, we'll explain that, yeah.
0: Then using that previous question as a segue back to the original thought, is there an understanding that to be a successful musician, one also has to be a successful business person? You're running a major festival. It's not simply a collection of people sitting on a stage humming away.
1: No, I would, I would like it to be that there, you don't have to make those, you don't have to take anything financial into consideration, but you do. In order to keep a festival going for years and years and years, you have to be cognizant of all of the costs involved, what it costs to hire performers, what it costs to put up tents, Fortunately, uh, Andy Spence, who's been running this for the, ran it for the last thirty eight years, was very good at managing that, or there wouldn't be a festival thirty eight years later. So and I tend to be very good at managing costs. at least I try.
0: Ernest Stewart, last week with the Central Philadelphia Jazz Festival and Andy Spence, seem to be individuals who are successful in producing something from nothing. What do you feel are the inherent difficulties in running a successful festival?
1: There's a lot of risk in running any event, and an event such as a festival that is held outdoors, you have even more risk. You've got weather to contend with. Fortunately, Old Songs, most of the venues are indoors during the day, and at night there the nighttime concert is outdoors unless there's a storm and it gets moved into another location. But you have any number of risks that could adversely affect how your festival does from year to year, and there's sometimes... You know, audience participation. How many people walk through the gate and come to the festival? You have to develop audience. You have to continually do all of that. And we went through that before I got involved with old songs on a business level. I went through that with this other event that I run, TradMad Camp, Traditional Music and Dance Camp. Heather Wood and I envisioned this we created it. We sat there and came up with a budget and developed it. And it's still very young. It's only five years old. But it's successful in what it does. And that's a lot of the same issues come up with. Are we going to fill the camp? Or what is? What are the issues that you have? So any event, any festival has... And, and different festivals have different issues. If you have a festival that's all indoors, weather doesn't matter. But if you have one that's outdoors, you have to... And there's nothing you can do about the weather. We'd like to think we can do something about the weather, but we can't.
0: I think to perhaps place that in its proper composite, on the second day of Woodstock, it rained. And everyone's simply saying, rain, go away, which it did not. But... <laughs> It brought people together. If we talk about the camp that you run and venues of that time, do you feel that we overuse the term prodigy and do you feel that talent can be taught?
1: I don't know if we overuse the term prodigy. I think at least the circles that I've run in People don't throw that word around very easily. I think sometimes today we praise people for breathing, which, you know, is I think it's over the top. People should be praised for the good work that they do, absolutely. And can talent be taught? I think there needs to be some underlying base of something that you can develop. You can, you can certainly learn to sing better. You can learn to sing on key if you're singing off key. There, but there's a certain charisma that I don't know can be taught. There's a certain feeling. There, a friend of mine often talks that, that someone learns the words sings the tune, but hasn't really learned the song. And part of that is some people pick songs that mean nothing to them whatsoever and decide to sing them, and they have no connection to it in any way, shape, or form. And that's a tough, tough gig. If you, can, if you can do that and sell the song, you've got amazing talent. <laughs>
0: There is a story told uh, of Pavarotti, whether apocryphal or not, that he was singing Caramillo, one of his favorite songs, and he swallowed a fly. And he was so concerned about how he would sound when he came back on the stage after taking care of his disability for that moment. Is there a concern with yourself, Johnson Girls, or any performer as to how you reach a pinnacle after an afternoon or evening that has been so special... You've hit something that is rare in your own experience. It's not only experiential, it's emotional. And you want to go back there for performance number two in the afternoon. Is there a concern? And if so, how do you reach out to it?
1: I think there's always a concern. We have individual moments where everything is going right. It's just perfect. And you can't recreate it, but you may have other moments that are similar to that and get the same feeling. It's, it's really tough. Having done a festival in the UK where we were followed everywhere and people asking for autographs, and then you come home and you go back to work And you think, okay, it's such a, you know, you just, it's like a wall coming down and you think, oh, will I ever have that feeling again? Will I ever reach that pinnacle? And you may not reach the same pinnacle. You're going to reach a different pinnacle. You have to just always strive to do the best you can do at the time be the best that you can be. It's, it's a phrase used all the time and probably overused, but it's true. And working with the best that you can do with what you have at any given time. If you, if you record, if you go back to the first recording as, as a performer that you've ever made, you're probably a much better performer today than, it, than you were 20 years ago most of the time. Um, But you you can't change what you did 20 years ago. You can only reach a different height today, hopefully.
0: Walt Houston in the 1930s movie talked, not sang, talked September song. And I remember my father weeping. He did not have any tonal quality to his voice. He did not have an understanding of the highs and lows of the song, but he understood the lyric. And Houston just spoke it into the camera, talking about a lost love. When we talk about talent, isn't it more important just to have emotional commiseration?
1: Well, yeah, I think that goes back to what I was talking about earlier, about connecting with the song or the passage or whatever it is. Acting and actually speaking words, in some ways, is much more difficult than singing. Singing, you've got the tune laid out already, so it has certain melody that evokes a message and evokes an emotion. When you're acting and you're speaking the words, it's, it's a totally different feeling We recently tried, we've been working on a song recently where we've decided we're going to speak the verses and sing the chorus. And if I tell you that we each have a verse, all the Johnson girls, and I have recited that verse probably 50 different ways and haven't figured it out yet. So it's something that is much more difficult and sometimes much more powerful But you don't have – but it is very different than than singing it.
0: What then is your professional judgment of a genre, i.e. such as opera, where one is speaking, acting, and singing at the same time?
1: My favorite operas are light opera. So it's Gilbert and Sullivan. Um, I'm not a huge fan of classical opera sung it but it's not my love it is much more difficult to do opera where you are singing speaking and acting than it is uh, maybe not because the rea- <laughs> having said that um, I'm sitting here thinking but wait a minute when we're on stage and we're singing You're also speaking explanations, and you're not really – I don't think you're really acting, but some people are. Um, But it is much more difficult to sing, speak, and act than to just do one or two.
0: I think to presuppose speaking, singing, and acting are difficult is an assumption rooted in reality, but there's also – the awareness that there are people who do such and don't have the talent to do it appropriately. We hear so much that it perhaps might be considered to be noise. Not voluntarily so, but it is there. It's a kind of conscious incompetence. It's perhaps time, looking at the clock, to talk about old songs, the concert itself. Share the information with us for those in the listening audience who would like to attend.
1: Sure. The Old Songs Festival, it's the Old Songs Festival of Traditional Music and Dance is the proper title. And it happens June this year, June 28th to 30th in Altamont, New York at the Altamont Fairgrounds. It's a wonderful festival that I've been attending for twenty this will be the twenty-eighth year, that gives a variety of music from different cultures, <coughs> and as much as the majority of performers are traditionally based. There are some singer-songwriters as well. This year we have Bill Staines as one that I thought of at top of my head. There are plenty that I have not thought of. We have Emma's Revolution. We have any number of people. We have Sharon Katz and The Peace Train that are going to be bringing some amazing music from South Africa. And it also allows us to bring in music of other cultures. We have about 100 workshops over the three days, including some Friday afternoon, up-close and personal intense classes, concerts in the evening, workshops all day, You can come learn how to play an instrument. We have the Great Groove Band. If you're from between the ages of 6 and 18 and want to come to a no-pressure environment where you can learn to play an instrument or sing a song, you have rehearsals for three days, and then Sunday afternoon there's a concert on the main stage, and everybody gets to get up there and do a song. It's collect. It's a group thing, and there are... Coaching by professionals, which is a wonderful thing for kids. There's a family area where you can learn how to juggle or do some mime and listen to some great music and dancing. There's dancing from the wee from the early morning to the wee hours till one in the morning. There's all kinds of dance, contras, squares, community dance, and some other surprises. There's some Québécois. Body percussion and many, many other things. So we have great artisans who have crafts to sell, good food, and other salespeople as well. <laughs> I'm sitting here trying to figure out if I've said everything.
0: <laughs> it's been s- <laughs> it's been said that said that a lullaby is propaganda for a child and in a sense we start lying to our progeny the minute they take breath. What are the criteria for performing at Old Songs? I've heard, that, for instance, a, a magnificent cellist who is in bedstead just on a corner and he plays and he plays and people sit in the curb and they listen. What would it take for an individual to say, this is the assumptive quality of what I want to do in my life. I'd like to be on that stage in June. How do you audition?
1: Well, we actually have an application process. It's just underwent a major overhaul. And we have, uh, it's not up on the website yet, but it will be shortly, where you can fill out an application and, and submit samples of your work everything is judged by a committee of people who they're not only looking for suitability but suitability but the whole the big picture where how all the acts fit together and make sure that we have not just one type of music but a variety of music and a cello would be just fine we've had many cellos at old songs
0: It's been said then that there is a book in everyone's life. All they have to do is pick up pen and paper and begin. Do you feel there's a song in everyone's life? Absolutely. And Do you feel that in a sense, we don't give artistic expression that much stimulus educationally, environmentally, governmentally? We simply tell people that doesn't sound good enough. An infant can be a poet.
1: That's very true. Um, we, unfortunately, in the school system, have been moving farther and farther away from music and art with the concentration on STEM, which is really important, but not, not at the demise of music and art because they're part of a well-rounded ed- education and help in STEM as well. Many, many schools have been cutting back on the music programs. My husband is a school teacher, teaches music, and I watched over the years as those programs get cut back and cut back. And I believe that it is to the detriment of kids that are in school. I was exposed to music from a very early age in school. We learned we had to sing together, we had to do all sorts of music together. It is critical in some in some places. It is, for some kids, one of the only outlets they have that's positive and not, you know, it, it's in a positive setting, it's an expression of your feelings, and it's a way to connect with other students as well. The choruses and all the, all the musical offerings of years ago in school changed lives.
0: We're within five minutes of what essentially uh, is the detriment of every program we have that really rings true. This has been a marvelous 55 minutes. I'm wondering at this point in time, to be fair to the audiences here, as we uh, used to say in the South, Miss Ann, Mister Herb, do you have a question? You know, I think my my question, um, you know, what are you doing to um, reach out to younger people? Um, you know, I'm president of your counterpart here in Long Island, Long Island Traditional Music Association, and you know, we find that that our membership for the contra dances and some of the sayings, you know, increasingly kind of gray-haired aging hippies. Um, and, you know, we, we really are trying to keep this tradition alive. And, you know, what are you doing to kind of reach out to a younger generation?
1: Well, there are many things that, that we're trying, including – some people think if you just hire young people as performers, then young people will show up, and that's a fallacy at least in my experience, it's a fallacy. What you need to do is to develop and cultivate some young people and make them ambassadors, for a lack of a better word, of what you're doing. Show them the value of what you're doing and how it can help them in their lives. And it, it's like an old commercial and she'll tell someone and he'll tell someone and this one'll tell someone and it's so it's not about advertising as much as it is word of mouth in 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 many cases and we're hoping to continue to cultivate that with some of the young people that already come have them reach out to their friends folk music unfortunately is not everyone's love but there are many many people out there and many youngsters who youngsters young people um, who are very into this music and are doing some wonderful wonderful things community wise and that's one of the things about old songs it is in a sense community and selling that community and taking advantage of what old songs do- brings to people every year you feel like you're hanging out with family, even though you may only know somebody by name, One thing I've really appreciated about old songs over the years, I've been going to the festival maybe 12 years, and one thing I really appreciate is uh, the opportunity to speak with a, per- a performer after a show. And, you know, there's 10 or 15 minutes before the performer needs to be in the next location, the next stage. And uh, I-, I wondered if that's something that's that you've consciously built into the process or if that just happens spontaneously. Well, I don't truthfully don't know if that was originally built into the process. It is something that is important to be able to approach performers. And a lot of it depends on who you hire. Not all performers are approachable. But I believe that at Old Songs, we hire people for their ability not only to perform, but to interact with people. And I think that has a lot to do
0: with it. We're within less than a minute to the end of our program. Perhaps we can summarize some of the feeling inherent in this discussion. uh, To paraphrase or quote, uh, a medieval theologian, Thomas Aquinas, was once asked what he thought of music. And he said, in point of fact, uh, he thought it was the rhapsody of God. Joy Bennett, uh, we thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Open invitation to come back. Anytime. I'm always prepared to buy coffee.
1: Of course, I don't drink coffee, but <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to present it to you as an, as an opportunity as
0: people develop in life. <laughs> Come and hear us next time. We're a week away from another program, and we thank you for being part of the listening audience. My name is Robert. The program is Seldom Said.